Hey, what's up? Hi, how are you? I'm good. What's going on, girl? <laughs> you know, I just came out of physio, so I'm feeling good with the body and making sure that uh, all the little parts are being taken care of and nurtured. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Welcome to the Lift Oneself podcast, Merrick. I am so thankful you're here with me. My pleasure. As you know, I wish I could have did it sooner, but I actually, it slipped my mind, but I got a million things on the go, but the gentle reminder, I'm like, oh shoot, let's do Monday. So here I am, girl. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you accepting this invitation. Yeah, no worries. No worries. And I appreciate, um, you know, the impact that you are doing your due diligence of still showing up in this community. <laughs> well, I try. You are. I, no, you're not. You're doing more than trying. You are with all the hurdles, all the things that have come up. And I want to thank you. And I want to show my appreciation for that because sports is such a big impact on mental well-being, and especially for kids trying to understand their energy, socializing, uh, having a better understanding of themselves mm-hmm. and you still providing a business because, you know, things need to get paid. Bills, yes. lights have to still stay on Absolutely. and still showing up for that continuously through all that we've gone through. I want to really say thank you for that, Merrick. Oh, no worries. That's it's my pleasure. I mean, I don't I, I don't know. I, I couldn't live any other way. Um, it's it's, I guess it's a, it's not a part of everyone, but you know, the people who community is a part of, it's just, they just are happier people. I don't know. I just, I just find they're happier people. They're more satisfied people. They're more, you know, well-rounded people than people who kind of stay to themselves and work for themselves and do things for themselves and have a tight, tiny little circle that they do and that they work with people, just small groups, but you know, they're not opening themselves up because a lot of people are scared of that, right? They just don't want to be exposed. Their dirty laundry might get exposed. And I'm like, what the hell ever, man? Let's just let's just make the community better any way we can. Yeah. And we all have dirty laundry. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, some people think, no, no, I don't. It's like we all have it. We're human. Being yes. human is messy. Like yes, yes. That's yes. how it is. Yep, that's how it is, man. So we just gotta just try to do my little part, man. That's it. And and it's a big part. So I just yes, want yeah. to uh give your flowers while you're here and really give the incu- encouragement and the fuel to continue on that you know what? Um it is acknowledged and it is greatly appreciated and it is well needed. No, uh, thank you. Thank you. In there. Thank you, thank you. And I want to really bring the dialogue of vulnerability and sensitivity for men that we have to normalize this and have spaces where men can talk about this because, you know, suicide, aggression, violence is prevalent when men aren't able to be in contact with that sensitivity and vulnerability and they think it's a taboo. And I think that is a dialogue that I want to bring forth to erase those stigmas Mm -hmm. so that like men feel safe to gather um, and, you know, create their own safe environments. Cause it's not for everybody that to hear your story or for you to share your story and Mm -hmm. not everybody's going to be able to relate to men also. Um, So I thank you for um, having this conversation with me. No worries. No worries. No, I think it's, I think it's huge. 
and you know it's it's i mean on the low low i'm, I'm doing something similar um just trying to get people to tell their stories you know in a control setting you know it's and and you take what you you know take the good parts of what they say and then you kind of put it all together with a you know snippets and whatever in commentary and to tell a story you know to tell a story that people need to hear that sometimes get lost in the everyday life and lost in the lost in translation sometimes lost because people are trying to consume all kinds of information and then it, the message just gets lost and it gets clouded and gets blurry and then all of a sudden there's no message and then you get to you know you need people like yourselves trying to hey man don't forget about this you know it's okay to be that it's so you know just to normalize things because people aren't having conversations anymore they're either talking at people or they're not talking at all you know they're not they're not listening and sharing and i find you know we have all these social platforms to do good but people just want to take selfies all day and 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 promote themselves when they're the ones that need more help you know you're promoting if you you're posting all these self images and you're not happy with yourself it's kind of counterproductive you know what i mean like it's you're just masking things so i think when you know get an opportunity to share <clears throat> and find out what what you know what makes people tick you know you can really help a lot of people because they may not have the platform so i'm doing something similar on the low low um but this is good it's like my wife said where are you going i'm like do an interview who do you got today i'm like no no someone's got me <laughs> so it was good so she's like oh okay so it was good so this is what i do all every day like pretty much every day i am interviewing someone so but it's nothing's out yet so <laughs> is it is it a project that you're developing so that it will be you know a, a grand opening and okay Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. So I'll okay. keep you posted offline. Yeah. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> okay, great. I appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate you offering this to the listeners for something to look forward to, to see that, mm. you know, a lot of times there's silence and people think nothing's happening, but in silence, there's a lot of things happening. Not everybody has to publicize it. Mm -hmm. um, and they understand the long-term of things. So thank you mm -hmm. for giving a sneak peek to the listeners that they yeah. have something to look forward to. Yes, and I'm yes. sure your son is involved in this with his uh, video skills. Uh, so I, I really appreciate how you have brought that family together, you know, mm -hmm. and really serving the higher intention mm -hmm. and using everybody's skills in different ways. And, you know, yeah, uh, bring it that it, community. It, no, it's been good. You know, like he's he's been my advisor. <laughs> he's been one of my social media and media advisors. So it's it's been good because even even he's like, oh man, that's big dad. I'm like, oh, okay, thanks, man. If it's impressing the younger generation, it's good. So and it's needed. Yeah. It's needed. Yeah. yeah. Let's take a breath together. How's your heart doing? My heart is full. My heart is full. I I can honestly say my heart is it's busting at the at the, if there was a seam on the heart it'd be busting at it. It's so full of joy. 
it's so full of happiness. It's so full of hope. It's, I don't know um, if you've ever got that response from people, but my life is, my life is full and my heart is full of, of gratitude and happiness. And I'm just, I'm just filled with, I'm just filled. I'm overflowing. And that's why I, I'm able to do certain things because I'm like, I got to share some of this joy, man. Like what? I can't hoard this for myself. That wouldn't be, that'd be selfish. Right? So if my heart is full, my life is full fulfilled. I don't really need to prove anything. I have some plaques on the wall, but that's not, you know, that's not, that's not how, all who I am. That's just a snippet. But there's a couple of awards up there, but they're more, they're all, and I have, I have a case full of trophies that I've just discarded. I don't need to see trophies and people don't need to see trophies. They need to see those community ones. So that's why I've posted them on my, in my wall. So when they come into my office, they're like, oh, cool, United Way. Oh, Global Community Alliance. Oh, Black History Ottawa. Oh, they're like, oh, you do work. I'm like, yeah, I'm not just this dude that does basketball. Like, and, you know, basketball fulfilled my life and has gotten me, you know, made me travel around the world. But it's the community stuff that I really, I put in all my bios. Like, I don't have to put in scoring champ. I don't put those things in. Like, those are small things that small minds will be attracted to. But the bigger minds are more concerned about what can you do for the for the community you live in. And those are the ones I like to, to post. And, you know, that's, and that's what's filled my heart. You know, obviously, my family's filling my heart. And, you know, no family is perfect, as we all know. But it's given me enough fulfillment to say, you know what, go spread, go spread some joy, you know, and that's what I do every day in my gym or at my, at the academy or, you know, online is just try to spread that joy, man. Just so my heart, as you, as if you ask is full, you know, and hopefully it's, it's, it's beating right. And it's technically sound, but in terms of emotional, it's full. What can you thank COVID for? I thank COVID for, um, adding, you know, giving people and myself perspective on what's important. I've always known what's important is, is family and spending time. COVID has forced that on people. And for those that didn't really focus on family and time, COVID hit them hard, you know, uh, aside from financially, it hit everyone financially hard. Um, some people, not everyone, some people never skipped a beat. They, you know, they're this transition to online for their work and their their check didn't change. But for people like me, it obviously hit me hard. It had to close down, hit my wife hard, having to close down. But I think I can thank COVID for allowing people to see what's important and which is health and wellness and 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 uh and family and support all the things you kind of like ah i'll get to where when i i'll get to it when i need to get to it or <clears throat> i'll visit my mom when i can or i'll visit my you know my in-laws when i can and then you can't ever like 
for months on end and with no timetable, then you're like, holy crap, man, I should have, I should have, would have, could have. And now everything's, you know, transitioned to Zoom or meetings or Google Meet or FaceTime or, and those things are always available, but now they've become, they became so ingrained in your everyday life. People are like, oh man, I wish I could just touch and hug and kiss and, and I think that's what COVID exposed how vulnerable we are as people and how little we, we value human interaction in general. And so I'm, I'm thankful for COVID for exposing that. And even, my, even myself, who, who I think I have a pretty fulfilling life, I was like, I couldn't hug my mom for over two years. And she's only in Toronto. So four hours away and I couldn't get to her. And, you know, it was just amazing where I finally, you know, mid-October, I was able to hug my mom for the first time. And that's crazy because there's people, you know, they don't have a relationship with their mom or they got, you know, or their dad or whatever, or whomever. And nothing was physically wrong. The barrier in pre-COVID, you know, but it was just like, ah, I don't know. I don't need to hear it now, or I don't want to hear her lecture me or whatever. And you avoid them. And now you actually can't even see them. So I think COVID allowed people to see what's true, what's valuable in life. And it just stripped everything away. And I was, I was grateful for that exposure because even, you know, my wife has a different schedule than I, and we have one day off together and as a point where we were both unemployed and waking up, looking at each other and like, okay, we'll watch Netflix now, you know? And you just, so we watch every movie on Netflix, every movie on Prime, every movie on Disney, every, and then you're like, okay, let's go for a walk. And then you just go for a walk. So obviously monotonous and it gets boring after a while. It gets, you know, repetitive after a while, but you're like, I appreciate the time I'm able to spend with my significant other. Yeah. You know, and I like her, right? So imagine if I didn't like her. So expose the vulnerability of relationships. And there was lots of divorces, lots of separations, a lot of different things because you're tired of that person because you're not used to seeing them that often. So it actually exposed a lot of vulnerability, either positive or negative. So, yeah. How do you support your mental well being? I, I really support my well being by being able to to unplug a little bit um on a regular basis like so it's like i don't actively meditate anymore i used to do when i was playing because i I need to clear my mind to have a good game but there was a point there's a point where i stopped doing that even when i was playing when i started playing overseas i it was just so easy for me to to clear my mind. I didn't have to take 15 minutes or 10 minutes to do, go through my breathing exercises. But now I'm able to, to just like think about being calm and I get calm or catch myself when my heart starts to beat a little bit because I'm frustrated or I want to lash out or something. It's just like, Merrick, be calm. And I can listen to that voice respect that voice because it's coming from a place of experience, not just like, you know, I've done that. I've relaxed before in, in weird situations and tough situations. 
So I'm able to, to unplug, to be calm. Um, and I use the analogy always is just like if you're running through the forest and you're trying to count the trees or seeing what type of trees they are, it's really difficult because you're running. And the only way to identify and, 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 and analyze is to slow down. You have to start walking through the forest or just kind of just strolling, you know, so you can see, oh, that's a, that's a birch, that's a maple, that's a, a pine, you know, that's a pine tree, that, you know, it's an evergreen. That's, you can now see the difference and enjoy the beauty of it. But if you're just running really fast to get to a destination, you're missing so much. So I always try to slow down and unplug, even after hectic days where I'm finishing at 9.30 p.m., you know, and I started at 7.50 in the morning for morning practice, and I, you know, go home, eat, come back here, train, do paperwork, jump on the court, go back home, you know, have a quick meeting with, with, with the coaches, like, and then I'm able to just unplug after that and just like, boom, just decompress every night. So I think I can see more. I am, I'm way more creative when I have a good night's sleep. You know, I'm way more attentive and aware after a, that decompression that I always use the analogy of, you know, well, a second analogy is a release valve, like, like that steam kettle that's like, imagine if there was no hole breaking that steam is just going to go boom and it's going to actually break that hole, that, that metal container. It's that strong. So there has to be a hole. There has to be a release valve. There has to be somewhere where the steam can come off or the pressure can be released. Some people use drugs. Some people use, you know, you know, obsessive, obsessive compulsive behavior. They use all different mechanisms as their release valve. And I always try to find, um, a healthy release valve that you know the steam doesn't burn your significant other you know what i mean it's just it's out there it's not toxic it's just steam right but when people don't have the ability to blow it off or unplug or slow down you'll see road rage on you know you'll see people just flying off the handle for nothing just absolutely nothing and you're like What's wrong with you, right? Like, why are you so mad? Nothing really happened. But that's just a, you know, a neutral eye looking at it. But for them, they're in that state that they have to lash out at someone or, or something or punch walls. Like, those aren't release valves. Those are just reactions, you know, impulsive reactions that are detrimental long term. Because you have to keep having these impulses. It's... And 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 it's not being released healthy in a healthy manner. Those just keep on building until it it comes out, and you're you're gonna do something really bad, and either lose a significant other, a long a long term relationship, end up hitting something or doing something to someone that causes you you know to be arrested. It doesn't matter. It's going to come out some way if you don't have a healthy outlet. So I pride myself on slowing down, you know, looking at the trees, you know, releasing that steam, 
so I can have a, a heart full of, of joy and laughter and, and energy where people want to be around you. And because if you're not, if you don't have healthy release valves, no one wants to be that, that, that punching bag. They're just going to, they're just going to leave, right? They're going to find somewhere else to be. But if you provide a sort of energy for people, you know, you make the room better when you, when you're in it. I think that's, that's a clear sign that you live, that your heart is full and you, and you, um, are able, you know, you're in tune with your mental health. And I think, I think I, I think that's, you know, I, I pay attention to that type of stuff and I avoid people who, you know, use you as outlet for their frustration, either gossiping, gossiping to you or, you know, lashing out at you personally. Um, I just avoid those situations and, and I don't, and anyone who was, who was on my team or around me or works for me, they cannot have that energy. And if they have it, they won't be around me for a while, you know, for a long time or, for, or, or at all, because I can't deal with that negative energy. Because I know what what type of energy is positive energy. How do you navigate through anger for yourself? I think it's just almost a similar fashion. Able able being able to step back. And well, well just, let me ask you: Does Merrick ever get angry? Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <clears throat> I have a staff here that says. Man, boss, come to boss, boss. I don't want to see you mad, man. Man, I don't want to get you mad, man. <laughs> like that's, I'm like, yeah, but I'm mad. You know I'm mad, but is it justified? You know, is it just random anger? You know, or I walk in the building angry. Like if you know my source of anger and you had something to do with that anger. You can't criticize my anger, right? You know where it's coming from. It's predictable because people need to know, people need to understand where anger or where joy is coming from. So not only anger, if if your if your emotions are predictable, people accept it better. When it's just like I walk in the gym and I'm, what the F, man? Like, why is this there? Why? Okay. What's happened in his life that that that's that's now I am the, the I'm the release valve, right? So they know I am I am like this all the time, and if I'm like this, something in that environment has triggered that, and and how do how do I deal with that? Is the same way I deal with 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 that with that stress like things are boiling heat's rising and and there's water bubbling and there's got to be a release valve so i usually step back and if you're if you're on the on the bottom of the mountain and you're angry and you look up it's so far to the top you just get more frustrated but if you picture yourself on the top of the mountain and you're looking down you're like you know what I can see so far. I can see the horizon. I can see the sun. I can see the, the other mountain tops. You have perspective. 
and you see that the problem or the source of the problem or the source of your anger is really, really small. And if, you know, you kind of have to step away to see the problem because when you're in the problem, it seems like it's all encompassing, right? It's like, there's no way out of this. Okay, so mentally, maybe, you know, you're in a, you're in a, you know, let's say you're in a, a dilapidated house and it's leaking and it's, your bills are piling up. It's really hard to, to like think because there's water leaking on you. But if there's a way you can just, okay, let me just, I hear the water dripping. Let me just see if I can mentally unplug and start dealing with these, these issues. Okay. I got to call the plumber. I got to, you know, and tackle them strategically and maybe in small increments whether it's, oh my God, everything is, oh my gosh, I'm just going to freeze. And then you stay in that same mental zone, physical zone, and you can't get out of it. So if you can remove yourself to the top of the mountain so you can see more and see that, okay, it was just a small little molehill, but it's not actually a mountain. It's, it's not a big thing. So I've been around people who see something really, really small in my eyes and make it into the, the next world war, right? You're like, wow, it's not that serious. Just, I don't know, just, I don't know. It's easy for me to say, just do this, right? But I think a lot of people just get so engulfed in their, their own problem that they can't see a way out of it. But I think if you move, remove yourself for a split second or for physically or mentally, you can see the problem easier. Yeah. Thank you for that. The reason why I had you on here also is to open up the dialogue for men to talk about sensitivity and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And from a perspective of a male, what do you think creates the defense mechanisms or why there isn't any spaces for men to have these dialogues and to better understand themselves? I think it just really goes back to the, the, the male caricature. Like the, the, what is, what is the, the prototypical male? Strong, muscular, dominant, like just manly. All those things are the archetype of, okay, this is what a man is. Now, I think over, like for many, many years, that's been the role, right? That's just, you know, if you draw a man and a kid draws a man, draws a hat, draws a mustache, draws, like, that's that's how kids see men. And the man's like, yeah, that's how, that's how I should be. I should be strong. I shouldn't cry ever. I shouldn't be vulnerable ever. I got to be strong. I got to be a protector, all that stuff. That's archaic. In my opinion, it's really archaic and it prevents people from becoming introspective because they live, they're trying to live a persona and they're trying to maintain this, this persona, this macho persona that I can't, I can't put off that I'm weak or I'm vulnerable. I can't, like, I, I, like if I have like five man stripes, if I cry, I lose one. You know, if I open up, I lose another one. If I ask for help, I lose another one. You know, if I can't pay a bill and I need support, I lose another one. So it's like 
men are just trying to protect their stripes for like, like, you know, with their lives, right? They, they, I'd rather die than, than lose a stripe, than say to someone that I'm, I'm hurting inside. Or so I think it's more of the, you know, the persona of, you know, I don't want to lose. I don't want to become vulnerable because I don't want to cry on camera. I don't want to, you know, show my emotions because their fear they're going to lose man stripes, you know. And I think it boils down to that. And and that's all cultural, you know. There's certain cultures that are more, you know, open to that. And there's, you know, I've lived in South Africa, and everyone they got like man stripes here, here, in their pockets, you know. In you know where you know where the sun doesn't shine, they got all these man stripes, right? And they'll lower their voice when they talk to each other. Hey, yo, what's up? You know, and I'm like, where does that come from? Because I noticed that, you know, Zulu men have this. They when they talk to each other, they deepen their voices. And I and I did some research. And I'm like, where does that come from? He said, oh, from the the, the Shaka Zulu uh, at times where. You know, Shaka Zulu was a short guy, and he'd kill all the tall guys in his in, in the in the tribe because he wanted to make sure that he's you know he looks big and strong, and that's that was a, that was the the folk theory, but it's a very macho culture, you know, and that's what I found. And I'm like, yo, what's up, man? With my high voice, and I'm like, yeah, man, like, you know, clean shaven. Like, oh man, you too pretty, Merrick. You know, I mean, pretty. You see what I do on the court? Is that come on, man? You're like, man, you know, but you gotta be tough. I'm like, tough, man. Y'all soft, man. They're not really tough. I guess you guys are soft, you know. And they would laugh at me. I'm like, and so because they know I know they're soft. So you don't have to be macho and muscular and deep voice to be masculine, you know. What is masculinity? Like, what is it? It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just something that someone determined, right? It's, it's, it has nothing to do with gender, even. You know, what, what is masculinity? It's just, for me, masculinity is a joke. You know, what I used to, when I was in high school, this is a quick story. I used to have these pink pants, these pink roots track pants, and a pink top. So I had a pink tracksuit. Uh, I think it's beaver canoe, beaver canoe bottom and top, pink, hot pink, and walk to school and my Nikes, everything. And they're like, "How you gonna wear pink, Mary?" I'm like, "What? What is pink? Oh, it's tip. It's for girls. I guess I'm a girl. But they know I'm not a girl, but you know. And they had a hard time with that. They had a hard time, and I was." As confident I was, you know, I am now than I, I was then, and I'm I'm a rocket. I don't care. I'm wearing these pink track. I have this pink tracksuit. And after a while, it's like that's just Merrick, right? They just accepted it that Merrick can break those rules because he's not he's not worried about being labeled as gay or it doesn't, he doesn't care. And then I got an ear piercing, and you know. I went home and I told my and I got my sister who lived at another you know, lived on her own. I got my sister to ice my you know and low and pierce it. And I went home. My mom's like, "What? What are you doing? Are you a girl?" I'm like, you know, it's Jamaican culture. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" 
I'm the same kid. So she couldn't stop that. She's like, oh my God, oh my God. So I went out and got the other one pierced too. So got both of them done. And then the school, my teammates and like two earrings, Merrick, are you, man? Yo, that's gay, dog. I'm like, I guess I'm gay. You know, I get, <laughs> what the hell? Then after they saw how confident I was in that decision, half my teammate got double earrings. You know, everyone started getting two earrings. And um, then I started wearing tighter pants. You know, once I went overseas, I started modeling, I was doing the thing, and I started wearing tighter pants. And they're like, yo, what's up with these tight pants? Have you seen the culture nowadays, Nat? Yeah. It's all tight pants, skinny yeah. jeans. But they were ridiculing me way back then in, in the 90s about these. So before, before this masculinity or, you know, vulnerability came, I've been vulnerable. I've been non-masculine or pretty or whatever you want to call it. Things that they just weren't comfortable with from what they were told and taught as yeah. kids. This is what a man should look like. This is what the colors a man should wear. This is what men should have in their ears. This is what men should. What the hell, man? Like, whose rules are those? So I don't abide by those rules. I've never abided by those rules. To this day, I try to create my own sense of happiness. If this makes me happy, hey, man, it's up to you if you don't want to be happy about my happiness. It's up to you. I'm not going to base my happiness on, on external factors. Or people who are not, you know, if my wife says, Mary, I don't know about, I don't know about that earring. But she met me with two, so she ain't saying nothing, you know. So it's just like the people who really matter, they, you know, the people who who care, they matter. You know, and and I just, you know, I I take I take that information, I take those uh criticisms or whatever from people who love me, you know, for me, and not just from people who just see me on internet or whatever, or passerbys or, you know, you know, I don't, I don't care about that. So I'm always, I'm always, you know, I've always been that person that didn't care about what people think about me. I wasn't that guy to oh, take the earring out because my mom said, even my mom, she couldn't stop me because she saw that I was happy. You know, it made me feel good. Like now I had to take them out, you know, it's just, just too tiring, you know, <laughs> to put them all in. But So I'm good. I, I appreciate that. Um, when the twins were starting um, kindergarten, they wanted to go to school with nail polish on. And mm -hmm. so I was like, okay. And I I saw the apprehension in me because I understood how yes. society is going to and what the school, yet I let them know, like, this is your decision. Just know you know, some people may say something and they're like, what's the problem? It's yeah. painted nails. Like it's not just a girl thing. Mm -hmm. And so they've always been challenging the gender bias. And then when people go and say, oh, well, I just saw this or I automatically thought you were a girl because you were wearing pink. And he's like, and they'll be like, why are you gender bias? Like yeah, yeah. why? And even this summer, I allowed the curiosity with one of them. He wanted to put on one of my dresses and walk to the store with me, the corner mm -hmm. store. And I saw my own apprehension. Yeah. Yet for him, he's like, I'm just doing fashion. I want to put a dress on. What's mm -hmm. the problem? Like, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I have to like boys or mm -hmm. I just want to put this. And I, I, you know, 
as a parent and you understand how society is and how yes. they can be um, with their things, I'm thankful that I'm navigating through my rough waters of fear and allowing them to do and dress the way that they can. I have one that really is nobody's going to tell him how to dress and the things that he puts on, like all of a sudden he's wearing a house coat to go here or (laughs) that. And it's like, okay, yet we do have a lot of conditionings of how we're supposed to show up in certain places. And it's like, who said, like, it's, I'm not offending anybody and I'm not doing anything. And Mm. it's for me. So why is it that you must tell me how I must maneuver into this world? That's right. And thank you for that confidence and, you know, opening up a path. Because like you said, in the Jamaican culture, ooh, that stuff, that's a big time. Oh, my God. (laughs) So you went through some rough waters and some criticisms and some susus and people talking or whatnot. And it's like, man, I'm still going to do me because at the end of the day, it's me and me. That's right. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, no worries. Like that's, I think that's really huge, especially there was not as much, you know, obviously gender bias, all these things, you know, you know, cross-dress, all, all these things were there many, many, many years ago. Now it's in the forefront. So now everyone is like, their antennas are up and, you know, they're looking to, because I think as humans, we understand, we understand categories. It's yeah. easy for us to make categories. And so, because it makes sense in this nonsensical world where if I can make a box and I can put a bunch of people in that box, it makes me feel better about myself, you know, which is so weird, right? The more boxes I create and whoever creates them, creates them, we're not going to get into that. (laughs) It's like, it's like, it makes them feel good because I can have order and people don't like confusion yes. they like you yeah. know especially people with ocd they like order and if let's say the media is ocd on creating order you're gonna have these boxes and society is and and the younger generation they're like the hell with boxes don't give me no box to check don't put me in no box i'm gender neutral i'm non-binary i'm i'm just human right so the world, the world is trying to fight against the generation that is saying, you know what, the hell with boxes. And so that's, that's where we are today is, you know, kids are lining up to, to, to become non-binary because they feel more free mm-hmm. that, you know, so I think if, if we flip the script and we are now this generation and we're dealing with our, you know, with the freedom that we have now, I think we'd all be, you know, non-binary or or cross-dressing or all, because fluid, yeah, yeah, fluid, gender, like all this stuff. Like I think I was gender fluid way back then. Like I yeah. don't know. Like I think I was gender neutral way back then, but I just had the, the the courage amongst all my peers to be different. You know, to to sit with my legs crossed. Like I remember a girl telling me. Why do you sit like that? I'm like, what do you mean? Like your feet are crossed instead of like doing the L, what a man is supposed to do. The L hurts my hip, number one. (laughs) And number two, I'm a skinny guy. So it doesn't take much for me to wrap the leg around the other leg. 
It's like you sit like a girl. I'm like, so only you can be comfortable? I can't be comfortable. And she was like, yeah, you can be comfortable. I'm like, okay, then leave me alone. If I'm comfortable, what's your concern? But again, she tried to put me in a box, right? Yeah. And so that that's kind of like a microcosm of, of, of the world that we live in today is people are trying to put everyone in boxes because it makes themselves feel better. And maybe, you know, the government or whatever, it makes the government able to have order. You know, what I mean? everyone wants that. Yeah, they want categories. So do you fit into this, this racial category? Do you fit into this sexual category? You know, this gender category? Because it just gives them a lot, you know, allows them to have stats and track things and but the new generation says, screw all of that. Yeah, very much so. And I'm very thankful for the new generation with their disruption of we're going to change this narrative now and n- see humans for humans. Like what, I, what I'm what i hearing in your story is Merrick decided to be a human being. Absolutely. A human being. Absolutely. Because I'm from a huge family. Uh, I'm the last of seven. Ooh. And... My mom is the last is is the third of fourteen. Oh. So, and and this is mom and dad and fourteen kids. This is not multiple families. This is mom and dad, and then same with mine. Mom and dad, seven of us. So I know what a family looks like. You know, not to say it's better than a, a non traditional family. I'm just saying I know what love looks like. I know what family looks like i know what respect looks like i know so they respected me for doing me and i was the one who did me a lot you know i'm like but the baby of the family yeah he's just like kind of a little rebel right but it, well the it, other ones wore down your parents so you got <laughs> absolutely so i was staying out late at night at you know, at 13, 12, 13, I was staying out to midnight, going to parties at 14, you know, all night parties downtown Toronto, like, you know, a concert hall, you know, coming home at six in the morning because my brothers broke all that ice, you know, I was just living my best life at, at 16. Right. So, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm very, because my mom saw that I was also responsible. You know, I wasn't getting arrested. I wasn't doing drugs. I, so I was respect, you know, my mom saw that, and she gave me even more freedom, which is great. Yeah. How can women support men? <sighs> That's a big question. I don't I don't think there's one answer for that question. It would be here all night. Um, well, let me let me refine it. How do you think women can support men when with their well-being? I I think I think um, women, men. Just take a moment, just to because yeah. it's it's a big yet. There's something because I'm I'm a female. Like we're human beings, yet yeah. we're navigating yeah. through our energies. Because yeah. for me, every human being has male and female energy. There's yeah. no one has like we both yeah. have it. Yeah. Yet in our bodies, I think within society norms, you know, women will complain about men being so and so, yet they won't take the acknowledgement, well, are you even providing certain things for a man to open up? 
mm-hmm. or what are things that you can do to help serve? Yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's more, um, I don't think it's what can women do to support men. I think it's more, we all have to listen to each other and respect each other because I don't care if it's two women talking to each other or trying to support each other or two men talk or talking to each other or trying to support each other. The dynamics is the same. You, you, you listen and you give space to understand the response or the, 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 the outcry or, or whatever it is. I can use my, my, me and my wife as an example. We've been together for over 20 years. We've been married 21 years now. And obviously it's not a bed of roses. In a marriage, it's not a bed of roses. So I can imagine a friendship is just even less commitment, right? So I think, or just a common law or just a girlfriend, boyfriend or girlfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is. I think how people can help each other, support each other, regardless of race, uh, regardless of sex. <laughs> yeah. I think it really boils down to that same hum- humanness, right? Is can I be human enough to say, hey man, this is how I'm feeling. And then the other person says, hey man, I understand what you're saying to me. Not, but I 100% understand. And because that is that person's reality. That's that person's reality. You can't, you can't extinguish someone's reality. You can't change their reality. Whether it's real or fake, that's their reality. Because so I have players who think they're better than they are. For me, they're delusional. But for them, they're dead ass serious. I am this good, but the stats don't lie, right? The results, the physical, empirical, measurable results don't lie. So if someone says, I'm a good worker, but they're always late, you can believe you're a good worker until the cows come home, but the stats show you keep showing up 10 minutes late. So are in the criteria of being a good worker is being punctual. That person, punctuality is not on their radar for being a good worker. So I think when you when two people are supporting each other, they have to understand each other's realities. And you can't just push off someone else's, um, I can, even though I know that player is delusional, I can't say, are you stupid? Like, are you delusional? Because they're like, no, I believe I'm better than X or I believe I'm better than this or I, I know I deserve more minutes because I'm good. That's the reality. But so coming to a, an understanding takes listening and takes time. You know, a lot of people are like in this Instagram world, this instant world, I need results right now. Like you're going to physio you're not gonna see results tomorrow. You have to, over a period of time, you start to understand your limitations 
you have to understand how your body's reacting to the physio and so on and so forth. Then you see, then you say, okay, I'm functional now. I can go out and do things I was doing before. It's the same thing with a relationship and support. The support's not going to come instantly. It may not come instantly. So you have to kind of build that communication platform where we can share. And then we start to understand. So after 21 years, my wife, I think I have a good handle on the buttons not to push and the ones to push in order for us to understand each other. She knows all my buttons, but we understand each other and she can support me. So if I come home with a wacky, crazy idea, she knows not to say, you're delusional, right? She's like, tell me more and gives me the space to explain myself and for her to say, you know what? I like that. Even if, and if you added this, it'll even make it crazier. And I'm like, you know what? That's cool. But I had previous relationships where I say, I want to go play professional basketball. And the response was, really? Like, you don't want to do, you don't want to go and do your master's? And I'm like, oh, damn. You know, it just, it's so unsupportive, right? It's so deflating where I, I you know, so, you know, for the long, you know, in short, I think you have to give each other the space and the time to understand each other and respect each other's realities because they're coming from different places because only you know what's real in your head. You don't know what's real in someone else's head. And that's the whole basis of psychology, right? It's like the, the, the counselor or the therapist has to say, hey, you know, what are you thinking? Like, what's your train of thought? And then they got to go back to their history and what brought them to that reality, right? So I think in essence is, you know, time, space, listening. It's a whole multitude of things to say, how does one support someone else, you know, or how does a man support a woman or vice versa? I think it's really, I think it's really, it boils down to listening, creating that space, and building that relationship over time that would be my my long answer to a short question <laughs> i want to ask you do you think people understand what process is i think i say yes and no but again it's very a lot of people's process is so i, I can use this for an example where if i'm training a child a kid you know, he's, let's say he's 11. No, I say he's 12. It's a boy. And he is very good, very skilled. When he trains here, super skilled. You could tell he's skilled. He's learning how to shoot the ball, pass the ball, dribble the ball, finish the ball, everything. Then he plays in the game and he's so scared. He doesn't want to, doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't want to drive. He just wants to shoot. But his dad's like, drive it. You don't be aggressive, you know, go get it. Ugh. And then they come to me and they say, man, he looks so good here. But then he gets in the game and he's like so scared. He's timid. So the running joke here at Capital Courts is uh, we actually have a package for aggression. We can sell aggression. You can just pay more and we'll sell you the aggression package. And it just, just, you know, just drink it and, you know, you'll be good. Aggression doesn't happen like that. 
<clears throat> it takes time. It takes space. It takes confidence. It takes so much things, but the parent un doesn't understand the process. So I think when, and, and they know it's supposed to take time, but they, again, we live in this instant world where we want their kid, we want, I want my kid to be good right now. I don't have time for that process. You know, I know it takes a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's still not aggressive, you know? So one parent, one kid, he was, I think he was 10 at the time. And he, and he, and he you know, he was good. And he's like, yeah, but I want to be more aggressive. I said, oh yeah, do you know you can order that on Amazon? You can order aggression on Amazon. He looked to his dad, he's like, dad, can we order it? <laughs> Dad was on the floor rolling around, right? Because the kid actually thought he can just order it because it's so important for him to, to be fulfilled as a basketball player. And I think when people don't understand the process of whatever it is, that means they just don't understand the time needed to invest and, and actually embrace that process. The process is what's more gratifying than the actual goal. And when, when I have kids in here that are addicted to the grind, it's over. It, opportunities just start get falling into their laps. And it seems the opportunities seem to avoid people who, you know, can't, who don't understand process. You know, they want it now and they'll start to do things and hire people to get that instant result because they don't understand the long, you know, uh, you know, when kids come to me and say, I have a tryout in two weeks. Can I get 13 sessions prior to that date? Back to back every day. After taking the entire summer at the cottage where kids have been coming all summer preparing for that September tryout. So it's just like, you know, you went to school, you ever cram for a test? You retain this much. Because your brain is on this heightened level of, I need to remember this stuff. I need to remember this stuff. I need, to... and you get into the to the test. And you're like, oh my god, it looks like Chinese. Like I, I don't understand it, right? But the, when you studied for three weeks out, a little bit at a time, your brain can absorb the information and process the information, process the information rather than cramming. And that means my brain can't understand process. I don't understand process. And that retention and performance gets compromised. Yeah. I'm going to bring you into a reflective question because I'm minding the time. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to go back to your 18-year-old self mm -hmm. and bring your awareness now to that 18-year-old. Mm -hmm. And you only have three words to say to the 18-year-old. Mm -hmm. What would those three words be? Trust the process. And it's, it's, I'm seeing more, even for myself as a parent, and I'm like, you know, seeing these ones, it's like, not it's a process. I'm like, but it's not going fast enough yet. It's, it's a process. And then things pop up and I'm like, how did that happen? And then I'll remember, it's like, remember two years of doing this. Now it's finally coming up yet. It's like, oh my gosh. Absolutely. And I can see where a lot of people in their dialogues, they won't understand what process is or, and I, it is a fault of seeing social media and everything coming in the modern world 
that process doesn't exist anymore. It's like everything was done for me already. So like the other day when we uh, went to Sudbury, the boys were like, so wait, they blasted through the mountains to make these roads. I'm like, yeah, like really? And, and they were really, you know, sitting in recognizing like all the rocks. And I was like, good. Like, thankfully you understand that there was a process there before you that you get to use but you weren't in that yet. You have to understand processes always exist and yeah. they're always there. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm 10 years in to this gym. Like I've been here 10 years and I've always understood process. <clears throat> even, even, even as an 18 year old, I understood, I understood process, but you don't really see it from the, the top of the mountain. You see it when you're in the trench, like you're in the trenches and you know you got to work hard to get certain things. You want them fast, but I never stopped working. So the opportunities start to come. Whereas people, you know, that was with me fell off, but I kept on going because I just didn't stop working. I didn't know what was happening long-term. I said, I need to, I, I know I want to play pro- professional basketball. I didn't know how to get there. I had no agent, I had no nothing. But I, in my mind, I had a goal and I knew if I kept on working hard, something's going to happen. And it literally, the opportunity came just before I was ret- you know, about to go into exams. An opportunity came up, I wrote my last exam and I was on the plane to Africa. So it's like, I just, I don't know, the universe conspires to help you when you continue to just, you know, push forward and, and trust the process and just keep your head up and, you know, you know what the, what the, what the right path is. Some, you just don't want to be on it. Sometimes you're like, I'm just going to take this shortcut. And that shortcut, man, you get cut short because, you know, you're looking for the easy way to the, to the top. There's no easy. I talked to hundreds of kids in, you know, in schools and lecture, like I you know, I, I speak to university kids all, and I'm like, there's obstacles. And if you try to avoid those obstacles, you're going to take this path. You might get to your destination, but once you get to your destination, you're not, you're ill-equipped to stay there because you don't know how to deal with adversary, adversary, adversity, sorry. And you don't know how to deal with obstacles. You don't know how to deal with, um, exhaustion fatigue and all because you took that shortcut that didn't have any of those obstacles so i'd rather you take longer to get to the goal going through those obstacles because you keep learning after every obstacle after every you know adverse situation you can you build that that um that uh, that strength and you build that uh, resist the resiliency in order for you when you get your your goal get your destination you said, ah, that's just fatigue. Got that. Been there, done that. Oh, that's just stress. Got that. Been there, done that. And you're able to continue to stay at your destination rather than those persons who got hooked up or someone says, yo, I got to know a shortcut. You get to the shortcut, you use it, get to your goal, and then it hits you. You're not, you're ill-equipped to stay there. So I'm all about trusting that process, going through the, going through the trenches, getting dirty, you know, getting bumped and bruised. And like, I'm running my own company and people say, oh, you're so lucky. (laughs) Oh my God. 
like being lucky. Sorry, boss. That's, I mean, I create these opportunities for myself by, you know, by, by making sure that we are, we are um, understanding the ability of hard work and disappointment. And I have this freedom now to set my own schedule because I took, I took, I took L's all along this road. I took so many L's. I don't have to advertise them. People around me know they're, they're L's, but I don't see those L's as losses. I see those L's as lessons. And I just, I just continue to collect lessons. So it's not losing. It's just, okay. I, I learned, I've started different companies, took L's on them. Ah, okay. Don't do that no more. Do this. You know, it's going to help. So Capital Course is running, but there was other businesses that started and failed and succeeded, started and failed, succeeded. But all that intel was applied to this one. So this one is, is, is running because of all the failures, not because it's just been open the door and people run to the gym. No, it was not like that. It was like, oh, shoot, I tried that. That didn't work. I've had clothing lines. I've had photography. I've had, I've done all kinds of craziness, but it was all, I took all that information and, 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 and used it here where this looks like it's running like, like flawlessly. But believe me, I took major L's to keep this one going. Is there anything you would like to offer the listeners? Hmm. Um, if you could look in the mirror, every day and say, I gave 100% effort in whatever I was involved in today. I gave 100% of myself to A or to B or to C. So if you're, if you're an employee and you showed up at work, if you leave, if you left, if you left work and you went home and you looked in the mirror, did I give everything I had today? to this company like or did i save some did i half ass it did i scroll the internet for 4 hours of my 8 hour shift you know if you can honestly say i gave everything i had to this job or to this relationship or to this you know, this organization or this this movement you're going to be you're basically holding yourself accountable because the more half-assed days you collect, that becomes a habit, and that starts to become detrimental over a course of the or course of your life. If you can say, you know what, I gave everything, I gave everything today, I gave everything to this interview, I gave everything to my staff, I gave everything to my wife, I gave everything to my coaches, and my. At the end of that day, I can sleep so peacefully. Oh my God. When you ask me if my heart, you know, what's my heart like? And I say it's full. It's because I can look in the mirror and say, you know, yesterday I gave 100%. Like yesterday I drove back from Toronto after, uh, sorry, sat, Saturday night I drove back from Toronto after driving there Thursday on Friday, played two games, got back, dropped all the girls home, left, got to my house at nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Uh, 
got home, sent all the emails back, um, ended up, ended up uh, painting. I started painting and organizing um, the, 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 the upstairs and, and the downstairs. Yesterday, I woke up and I started painting and organizing because we're you know, doing a little bit of reno. I started at, uh, at nine o'clock and I went to bed at 1 a.m. And I didn't stop. My wife started, stopped. She said, my arm is sore. Because I'm a physical guy that, and, you know, she, you know, she does hair and she can't be messing with her elbows and stuff. So she had to, she had to plug out. But I went 100%. So when I laid down that night, I'm like, I gave everything to this damn paint job, right? I gave everything to that driving those girls. I gave every, like, you can't half-ass anything because it becomes a habit. But it also becomes a habit of giving 100 so whenever I do something, you know, it's 100, right? It's 100 because I'm not used to anything less. And if I see someone giving 75, I'm like, bro, you got 25 more. Like, what are you doing? Okay, okay, coach. Okay, coach. Like, or, you know, I got you, coach. I, boss, I got you. Because they need to know sometimes or get reminded that there's more to give. Because when you go home, you're going to be so much more fulfilled knowing that you gave 100. So that would be my advice to, to the listeners is you and I both know what 100 feels like, right? You know what your 100 is, you know? You're a little bit injured now, but you know you can still give 100 to this interview or to organizing this, blah, blah. It's 100. It takes time. It takes effort. And if you can close this computer down and say, you know what? I gave 100 today at, you know, at the end of your day. You're going to be so much happier for tomorrow. And that's my advice to, to everyone out there is just keep giving 100. Don't give 98 and save 2% for what? You don't get that 2% the next day. You only have 100 every day. You don't have 110 where you can, you can give only, you know, I give 90 and still have. No, that time is lost. You had that chance to give 100 and you didn't. Yeah. And so... People keep saying, oh, you're so lucky. This person wants to, this person wants to connect with you. Oh, this person wants to speak to you. Or that, you know, this, this job came available. And I'm not looking for a job, but this job, hey, you want to be a coach of this? No, I'm already 100, man. Like, I'm good. So I'm able to, to, to give and pour out as a, as a vessel of happiness. I'm, I'm, my cup is already full. Like I said earlier, you know, I'm fulfilled. So I can just pour it out into someone else's cup who's only 75, right? You know, because mine is so, I have so much more to give. I can just keep pouring it out and, and I can keep pouring it out, keep pouring it out. So that'd be my thing, man. Just give 100. Don't just say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. I want to be this down the road in the future. I'm going to be all this. But you're not used to giving 100. You're used to giving 75, 50 some days, you know, 90 some days, 100 some days. That's a habit of, 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 of mediocrity. And that becomes who you are. You know, that's a mediocre woman. What? Don't call me no mediocre. I'm 100. You know, I'm 100% go-getter, make things happen from time, back in the days, right? And so that's become synonymous with who you are. And the last thing I'll, I'll add is I'll ask people to ask you know, themselves, what's your brand? Like Starbucks has a brand, Timmy's has a brand. 
it looks different when I walk into a room with a, a white cup with that green symbol on it than it does when I have a brown cup with Timmy's on it. It's just a different status symbol, right? Because one does a better job at marketing status and quality, and one's more convenience and Canadian and whatever. But a lot of people want that Starbucks cup in their hand because of what it stands for and that brand. What's your brand as a human being? What is Merrick synonymous with? Is it with mediocrity or excellence? Like that's the difference. So you got to determine what your brand is early because either someone's going to tell you what your brand is and you're not going to be happy with that brand sometimes. So you got to create your own brand. And I think I was doing that from the jump. I didn't know what I was doing, but I created that pink tracksuit brand. Like, that's who I am. That's I'm a confident dude. I'm, I don't care what gender you want to put me in. I'm that guy. That's my brand. And people say, I like that brand. And so the university said, you know what? I like that brand. Let's recruit that kid. Let's give him a scholarship. Let's, hey, I like that kid. Let's, let's pay him to be a professional player because they saw the brand. It was right there in front of your face. They would not tell me, yo, I want you to tone it down a little bit. I want you to bring it up a little bit. They're happy with my brand. So everyone has a brand. It's just, what do you want people to, to remember about your brand? Like when you leave the room, are you memorable? You know what I mean? So that would be my two messages is, is um, what's your brand and, and give 100%. Don't save anything for tomorrow because tomorrow's not guaranteed. No, it's not. I want to thank you for being on the podcast and giving your 100 here and sharing <laughs> such insightful uh, information and also sharing your own personal experiences so that it's relatable for others so that they can see beyond what they see the 100 of Merrick that he is a human being also that, you know, understands this process. So thank you for being no on. No worries. That's absolutely my pleasure. It was great. Remember to be kind and gentle with yourself. Always. <laughs> <laughs>Thank you for making it to the end. I appreciate you and your time. If you found any value in this conversation, I ask you to help us grow by subscribing to the Lift Oneself podcast and more sharing it out to others. The more that we have conversation and dialogue that are honest and open, that is when we can remove the stigmas around mental health. Until next time, remember, be kind and gentle with yourself. You matter.